Good morning. Uh, in our men's prayer, uh, Bible study, in our men's Bible study, we've been studying uh, "Behold Your Bride," and it is a study that focuses on getting to know the God of the Bible and not who we think God is. And one of the uh, lessons is, if you want to know God, know Jesus. Because you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And uh, so we're studying that, and I watched uh, Thomas Kubrick's conference that was done online this year. And they sang a song. If you've ever had a chance to go to a Thomas Kubrick, this is a song that they sang during the praise and worship time, uh, Every mostly on the East Coast. It says the, the uh, person that sang it, his name was Joe Garlington. And he's a pastor up in Pennsylvania. And it became kind of known as a, a, a very com, uh, popular song amongst the Thomas people. And it is called Knowing You, Jesus. And so we would be blessed if you would join us. The words will be on the screen as we sing this song. So with you too. 
caved in. I always wanted to be caved in like this. That's how you're going to keep me from moving around like that right there, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me tell you, I have learned a lot since being pastor here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. Let me tell you one of the things I've learned, I love most of all, is to not take things out of context. Amen? If you can do that, if you're not careful, you can take a lot of things out of context. You know how I did that the other day? I sent a message to a church member. She had had some surgery. I sent a message to her, and I started out with, Hello! And my instant messenger somehow left the O off of hello. So you can take a lot of things out of context if you're not careful. You know? <laughs> so let me give you a story about how someone took something out of context quickly now. There was an old lady. She was living all alone, and she didn't have much in this world. And one night, as fate would have it, a burglar broke into her house. She heard the window pane crack. She heard the window open. She heard the footsteps into her house. And she heard him rummaging through things. So she got out of her bed, scared to death, as a fragile old lady should be. She called upon her Lord and she said, Jesus, help me. She ran in to confront the thief and yelled the only thing she could remember. Acts 2.38! Acts 2.38! And suddenly, the burglar turned on the light, sat down on the floor, waited as she picked up the phone called the police. The police arrived and handcuffed the burglar and started taking him out the door. He said, why did you sit down on the floor? And why did you wait for us to come? She said, well, that lady yelled out, I have an axe in 238. <laughs> you can sure take a lot of things out of context sometimes, you know. <laughs> well, if you have your Bibles with you, open with me, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. <laughs> Gospel of John chapter 12. And we're not going to stay here. We're going to jump around a little bit, even though we're going to stay mostly in the Gospel of John. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite guys in the Bible, Lazarus. Lazarus, yes, he who was dead and came back to life. I'd love to hear those pages turn. Are we there? Amen. So let's take a look in verses 1 and 2 of John chapter 12. The Bible says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord God, for your word. We can trust your word, Lord. Your word tells us the way it is. Your word, Lord, shows us how we're supposed to live. And not only that, Lord, it tells us what we're supposed to do. And it has told us to trust in you. It has told us to repent of our sins. It has told us, Lord, that we need you. So I pray right now, Father God, your spirit will move as we look into your word. You open our hearts to hear from you, Lord. If there be any that need to trust in you this morning, would you let me do that now? To give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, even now, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we have a wonderful supper being made in Bethany, where Lazarus is sitting, it's made for Jesus. But a lot of people are coming, not just to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus. Now think about that for a second. We have a Thanksgiving-style supper. And by the way, Thanksgiving is coming up on Thursday. And I wonder if you've taken time this week to count your many blessings. Let me tell you something. You might say, Josh, I'm not that blessed. Huh. We live in the land of plenty. Amen. We live in a land so blessed.
that we have oftentimes turned ourselves away from He who has blessed us. We have asked Him to remove Himself from our schools, from our government, from the way we think because we don't want to offend anybody. Well, church, He's the one who's blessed us. Amen? What happens when we ask Him to leave? We lose that blessing. We have no idea what it's like to be without Him. We have no idea what it's like to lose His head of protection. Oh, we've had tastes of it here lately. And let me tell you why. It's because, listen to me now, the Bible tells us sin is a reproach to any nation. And let me tell you, we've begun legalizing sin. Instead of saying what sin really is, we said, well, let's make it more acceptable by making it legal. Did you know in our last election, we had one state here in this blessed country decide to make heroin and cocaine legal? What in the world are we doing? What are we doing? Let me tell you, uh, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any nation. And when we start legalizing sin, we are asking a reproach upon our nation. What kind of reproach are we asking for? The reproach is, is the lack of God's blessing. The reproach is, is the lack of God's protection. And when we move away from those, we will feel those as we're beginning to now. What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Are you thankful for the turkey on the table? Thankful for the family and friends all around you? Thankful for what God has done for you this year. It's been a crazy year, hasn't it, 2020? We're going to look back on 2020 and the year 2021 and say, that was 100 years ago. We're going to do that. We're going to look and say, do you remember that time? But you know, we still have so much to be thankful for. What are you thankful for? When I gather around with my family and my loved ones, you know what I'm thankful for? That Jesus Christ has saved us. Thankful that He has given us a way. And He's given us the truth. He's given us a life that takes us from going to hell to going to heaven. So we have a dinner here from Bethany. A dinner that was made. If you imagine what kind of dinner that was. I can tell you what kind of dinner that was. Mary and Martha made that dinner. That was the best dinner they ever made. Amen. Think about that. Lazarus is back with us. You want something to be thankful for this year? Lead your child to Jesus Christ. You want something to be thankful for? Lead your mom, lead your dad, lead your grandparents to Jesus Christ. Grandparents, lead your grandchildren to Jesus Christ. And Thanksgiving will take on a whole new meaning. You like this. That means amen in a Baptist church. So they had quite a dinner that night. They were grateful. Could you imagine what it was like? And people showed up at that dinner. They wanted to talk to Lazarus. Do you imagine the questions they asked Lazarus? Hey, Lazarus. What was it like, buddy? What did you hear? What did you hear? What did you see? What did it feel like to be dead? I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys that like to sit down and think about What did Lazarus say? What would it have been like? Was it complete silence? Perhaps he's in the presence of God and the holy angels. Perhaps he was asleep. You know, there's all kinds of thoughts out there. Oh, I know what the Bible says. And I hold on to what the Bible says. Those questions must have been coming from those people. Lazarus, did it hurt? Were you afraid? Perhaps the question came to Lazarus, what are you thankful for? He who was dead 
came back to life. What was it like, Lazarus? To have been dead. We get fascinated when we watch TV shows about someone who is in the ambulance and their heart stops and they are able to use those electronic defibrillators and bring them back. And they always talk about, I saw God, I saw a golden Lord, I saw a great light. Some of them will say, I saw fire. We don't talk about those guys much, though, do we? What did you see, Lazarus? What did you hear? What did you know? I guess the ultimate question is, and you're really asking Lazarus, is what's out there? What's out there? So let's look at the incident that brought all those people to see Lazarus. Keep your fingers in John chapter 12. Put a pencil there. Put a bookmark there. Put something there. And turn with me to John chapter 11. And we're going to blow through this pretty quick, but let's have a good time doing it, all right? John chapter 11. Let's look at verses 1 through 3 quickly now. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, the woman, excuse me, he whom you love is sick. Think about that for a second. They sent Jesus a message saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. I love that phrase, and I often think about that phrase, and I think about how that fits in our Christian life. Every one of us knows that Jesus loves us. You know what's funny? Even when you talk to somebody who's completely lost, and you tell them God loves them, they say, yeah, I know that, don't they? So did Mary and Martha, and you know what? So did Lazarus. He knew without a doubt that God loved him, and I'm willing to bet right now to sit in that, that pew, and you might be as lost as a goose this morning, but you already know God loves you. How do I know that? Because you're here. You know, Father God loves you. You know, God the Son loves you. You know, God the Spirit has brought you in here this morning. Why? Because He loves you. And Mary and Martha wrote a letter to Jesus saying, He whom thou lovest is sick. Now, this is a close knit friendship. This is Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus. And oftentimes, if you know the ministry of Jesus, oftentimes when Jesus had to rest, oftentimes when Jesus had to go somewhere, he went to Bethany and stayed at Mary and Martha's house. Could you imagine what those little refreshing times would have been like? Jesus went there to rest, but every night, could you imagine at Jesus' door, Mary or Martha was knocking, saying, Jesus, I need to talk to you. Jesus, I got a problem. Jesus, did you know? Jesus, what about that? Jesus, you know what the Bible says about this? Can you explain it to me? And yet it was supposed to be a time of refreshment for Jesus. He sent him a message of somebody and something they trusted. They trusted Jesus wholeheartedly. Sometimes our prayers are like that, aren't they? God, I know you really love me. And God, I know you love who I'm praying for. Truth is, Lord, where are you? Because that's what happens to the rest of Mary and Martha's message. Lord, he whom thou lovest is sick. And Jesus doesn't respond. And a couple of days later, guess what happens? Lazarus gets graveyard dead. Amen. So, skip with me now down to verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for days. That's a long time to be dead. Amen. 
What happened in four days? Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. She's dead four days. And for those of you that are biblical scholars, you already know the number four has to do with God's timing. I'm not going to go any further into that, but four is always God's timing. Let me give you an example of it. You have Noah, right, where it rains for 40 days, right? You have God's timing, four, God's work on the earth, right? That's God's timing with the earth. Ten is always a picture of God's perfect timing. So you have four times ten and forty, meaning God's timing on the earth. Right now we have Lazarus being dead four days when Jesus is showing up, being a picture of God's work on the earth. Martha, who's a woman of action. A lot of fanatics, we don't have any of those kind of women, amen? Martha's a woman of action. And she got up, she was there saying, I can't stand this anymore. I heard Jesus is outside. She gets up and goes out to where Jesus is. you got to love a woman like that, amen? She was one of those that said, I've got to hear it from the horse's mouth. I can't just wait and listen from somebody else. No, 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 no. i got to get out there and talk to Jesus myself. And the Bible tells us she gets up and goes to where Jesus is. Can you imagine what that meeting was like? Look with me in verse 20. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, not arrived, was coming, she gets up, goes outside to where Jesus is. We don't know exactly how far away it is. I imagine it's not all that far. She gets up and she goes to where Jesus is. She left her sister Mary sitting in the house. Now that's a picture of a woman of action. So let me set the stage here for you. Let me set this for you quickly now. We have a picture in the resurrection of Lazarus of the past and the present and of the future. Something in the past, something happening right now, and something that will happen all coming together. Just like that. Let me set that stage. Let me get your mind working in now. So, as we went through, Mary, uh, Martha now getting up to go where Jesus is. Let's see what happens in that meeting. Look with me in verse 21. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, and I want to put the right tone on this, because you can't translate tone very well. So I'm going to put the right tone on this. It's kind of like it's an accusatory tone. Lord, if you had been there, in other words, why weren't there. I asked you to come. Did you not get my letter? Lord, if thou had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, and I love how she changes it, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Think about that for just a second. He set that stage. If you'd been there, Jesus, Lazarus would not be dead. Mary is setting the stage as she meets the great I Am just outside of her city. Just outside of her house. She's going to meet where past, present, and future all come together. She's going to meet him face to face. Not just that, but she's had him in her house multiple times before this. Enough to where she could write a letter to him and say, He whom thou lovest 
and expect Jesus to know who she's talking about. Think about that. You ever wrote a letter like that to somebody? I said, by the way, you know who did this? Usually they write back saying, that's a broad statement, huh? Be a little more specific. But if you know exactly who they're talking about, it's because you love them. It's because you know what they're talking about. And by the way, Lazarus is no exception. Jesus knew exactly who they were talking about. He whom thou lovest is sent. And Jesus reassured us that your brother will rise again. Now, let's move on just a little bit here. Quickly now. Look with me in verse 24 to 27. I know we're doing a lot of scripture reading, but bear with me. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believeth in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Think about that for a second. Here's Jesus, and he's given her the answer to her problem. Her problem is what? My brother's dead. My problem is I asked you to be here, Lord, and you weren't here. I wanted you to be here, and I feel like you totally neglected my request. I feel like I asked you, you heard me, I know you heard me, and you didn't come. I want to know what the deal is. That's why she got up, and that's why she went out to confront Jesus, because she's a woman of action. She went out to confront him, saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Let me tell you something. She's absolutely, positively certain of that. If Jesus had been in the house, then Lazarus would not have died. She was 100% sure of that. That's a beautiful picture of her faith, isn't that? That is really wonderful. But we're moving on into something else here now. We're moving on into something really, really neat. And I want you to bear with me. But I want you to keep your mind going now about the past, about the present, and about the future. Because... Martha's going to give us a picture of a modern-day church. A modern-day church that has forgotten what we need to be thankful for. That's what Thanksgiving is all about, what we need to be thankful for. We often thank God for the food we have. We thank God for the roof over our head. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But by golly, church, we've forgotten that we need to be thankful for life eternal. Hallelujah. Think about this for a second. Martha gets up. She comes out to Jesus saying, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus responds to her, I'm telling you the truth. He's going to live again. He's going to live again. Remember the past, the present, and the future. We're also going to answer a deep theological question that many of us have in just a second. And so we have Martha coming out. She's addressing Jesus. Guess what? In the past. If you had been here, if you had been here, it's too late, but if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, we're in the past. Jesus addresses her in the what? In the present, moving into the future, right? I'll tell you, your brother will rise again. Why will he rise again? Because I am right now. See, churches today, we have absolutely positively no problem believing the God of the past, do we? We always talk about that. Man, if we could get the preacher back from the 1970s, if we could get the revival back from the 1990s, if we could go back and back and back, and we're constantly trying to get back to the God of the past, and we're doing exactly what Martha did, living in the past. And you know what else is? It costs us nothing to have faith in the past, does it? 
We all know what God did in the past. We believe that He parted the Red Sea. We believe that He raised Lazarus. We believe, we believe what He did. We also have no problem believing in what God will do in the future, don't we? It costs us nothing. One of these days, Jesus is going to return. I love talking to Christians. They don't want to talk about Jesus coming back right now. We want to talk about Jesus coming back 100 years from now. We don't want Him to come back right now, though. Why? Because people now love us, right? Well, that's why. We don't want to talk about right now. We want to talk about what's going to happen in the future or what happened in the past. When we talk about Jesus doing something right now, it's kind of hard to have faith in this. What if Jesus came to you today and said, I'm going to do this for you right now? He said, Well, Lord, I know you did that in the past, and I know you're going to do it in the future one day, but right now, hey, it's kind of hard to believe. Do you understand? That's what's going on in Martha's life. That's what's happening in Martha's life. Let's see what happens one. So skip with me down to verse 28. When she had heard these things, this is Martha now, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come. That's a way to say rabbi. The, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Well, well, nowhere in that dialogue did you see Jesus or did you read Jesus saying, hey, by the way, where's Mary? I need to talk to her. That did not happen. Now, Martha tells a little whopper there, doesn't she? What I get. We all know what that is. That's a woman of action. Sometimes they tell some whoppers to get things done, don't they? Ladies looking at me with daggers in their eyes right now. <laughs> Woo, amen. Right? Well, here's Martha. She goes to Mary and says, Jesus is calling for you. Why did she do that? You don't know why she did that? Because her faith was easy in the past. Her faith was easy in the future, but she had a hard time believing in the God of right now. So she went to somebody she thought believed in God right now. See, Mary was all about Jesus, right? She was all about sitting at His feet. She was all about right now, not in the future, not in the past, not about living in the past, not about hoping for the future. She thought that Mary was right now. So she went and she said, i got to get somebody who believes right now. I've got to get somebody who believes right now in the power of God. And she went and she got married. Because, let's be honest, when confronted with Jesus about right now, none of us want to be alone. Amen? Well, like this again, right? So, she calls for Mary, her sister. And look at verse 29. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Now, I want you to think about it for a second. Jesus is in the same place that Martha met him. Now, I'll be honest with you. He knows without a doubt that Mary's coming. How does he know that? Because nothing catches God by surprise. Amen? So he stayed right where he was knowing that Martha was hot on the trail. Excuse me, that Mary was hot on the trail of her sister Martha. Why? Because Martha had went down there and said, Jesus is calling for you. And here comes Mary, just as upset as Martha. Just as upset at Martha. Look at me in verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Set the tone right, because this is the tone. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is something she discussed with her sister not once, not twice, but a hundred times. If you had been in my house, if you were there in the past, then Lazarus would be with us right now. Look at verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping. The Bible tells us he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Why? Why did he groan in the spirit? 
we often try to try to put some points on it and say, well, he's hurting because they're hurting. He knows that death. Well, we put all those theological twists on it. But I'm going to put a, a fact on it for you. The fact is, is that Jesus had been in Mary and Martha's house not once, not twice, but a hundred times. They had seen miracles come from Jesus. They had heard the words of the living God come out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. They had looked into His eyes, beheld the beauty of His face, and at times maybe even held His loving hand. Can you imagine that? What it would be like to have Jesus stay in your house. And for some reason they doubted what Jesus did. Yeah, I know it happened in the past. And oh, I believe it will happen in the future. But right now, it's just too hard to hold. And Jesus groans in His spirit. Why? Because those that claim to love Him most are those that have the hardest time believing Him. Somebody say amen. Are we that way, Master Avenue? Are we that way? Perhaps you're sitting in the pews this morning and you have absolutely no problem talking about the time God did wonders in your life and you are looking forward to the time God will do wonders in your life again. But you're thinking to yourself in that pew, right now God is just too far away. Right now God is so far away He won't come to mind. I want you to know that Jesus is still standing where Martha left Him. All you've got to do is get up and go. Our God he didn't say, I am. or No, he didn't say, I was. He said, I am. He didn't say, I will be. He said, I am. Right now. And Mary and Martha should have known that more than anybody in the entire New Testament. When he arrives, Martha says, if you had been here, and I know that you will be, but right now, it's okay, Lord, it's okay. Same with Mary. She confronts Jesus with that same angry tone. If you'd been here, the Bible tells us this time Jesus groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Look at verse 34. He asks her, where have you laid him? And the whole crowd answered, Lord, come and see. So let's skip down to verse 35 here. The shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Just two little words. And we also say, why did Jesus weep? Why did He weep? Well, I think we know the answer now. He wept because those that claimed to know Him best had no idea who He was. Oh, they heard Him speak and oh, they could talk the talk but when it came time to walk the walk, they were outside yelling at Jesus. When it came time to walk the walk, they were saying, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. They, like the rest of the world, were saying, one of these days, God, you're going to be with me. I can't wait for that to happen, but right now, you just aren't here. I got news for you. The God of Abraham never leaves his children. Amen. He never leaves those he loves. He never forsakes those he loves. Why? Because he loves you. Take a look at Mary and Mark. They had no problem believing that God did miracles in the past. They had no problem believing that God would do miracles in the future. Just like the modern day church. We're all about that. Yeah, man. One of these days Jesus is going to return and you sinners better watch out. Woo. We better watch out. Amen. Because we're supposed to be winning those sinners to Jesus Christ. 
There's a whole crowd around us, Mary and Martha. They're standing around, and they see us talking to Jesus. But they're lost as a goose. You ever wonder why the crowd never has a name? You ever wonder why? Because they don't know Jesus. Mary and Martha do. And we're supposed to be telling the crowd about Jesus. Somebody say amen. What is Thanksgiving all about? Do you really think it's about a turkey? No, it's about somebody being born again. It's about the power to conquer death. It's about the grave losing its sting. It's about hell losing its hold on you. Why? Because he whom thou lovest knows who you are. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us Jesus rose and then he wept. I love that. I think we know now why he cried. You're supposed to know me. You're supposed to know me. They looked in his face. They looked into his eyes. Can you imagine what it would have been like to look into the eyes of the Son of God? To look in there, into his soul. You know, I believe with all my heart that the eyes reveal what's in the soul. That's why I'll never preach with sunglasses on. That's why Jim Jones, remember that guy down there? That's why he always preached with sunglasses on. Well, I do. True? No, no. Let people look into your eyes. Let them see your sincerity. Let them see your truth. Can you imagine what it would have been like to look in the eyes of the truth? We have to think truth is a way of life. We have to think truth is a philosophy. Wrong. Truth is a person. Do you know him? What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Does truth live in your house? Does light live in your house? Are your children being born again? Are your grandchildren being born again? Are your sisters and brothers being born again? And when he returns one of these days, can you stay like Mary and Martha did? I know that when you come back, my Redeemer liveth. Amen. Listen to what the crowd said. Could not this man, this is verse 37, who opened the eyes of the blind, also have kept this man from dying? Why? They too, they were beaten outside. They wanted to see a miracle, didn't they? They wanted to see a sideshow. They wanted to see a carnival. They wanted to see something neat. Why are we having time this week? My son asked me this all the time. My youngest son. He said, Dad, if you could go back in time, what do you want to see? And I thought about it. That's what brought this sermon on. I've been thinking about that through the last couple of weeks. I think I would want to see the resurrection of Lazarus. Let me talk a little bit about that, if I may. What that would have been like. Not only do we have the New Testament story here about what it would be like to be in the crowd and listen to Jesus cry, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to understand what it would be like to see it. See, the Bible tells us that Lazarus was bound in grave clothes. You know why Jews did that? See, when they did a burial, they didn't bury him like we do. They didn't stick him in a coffin, bury him in the ground and forget about him. No, they would wrap you like a mummy from your fingers, from your hands, all up your arms. You were caught up like a mummy. And the reason why is because they would leave you in there about a year and your body would decay because it was just the bone. Then they'd fold your bones up and then they would put you in an ossuary box. In that ossuary box, they would then bury you. And then sometimes later, if you were really rich, those ossuary boxes would get smaller and smaller and smaller as you decayed and decayed and decayed until you got to be something really small. Something really small. So we have Lazarus who's now been wrapped up for four days, and now I understand why Martha is like, whoa, don't open that stone, man! Because that, that, that binding all around him is supposed to keep his body together because it's starting to decay. It's starting to fall apart. It is to hold those bones together. 
people from falling apart so you would know who's deceived. True. That's what it was there for. And so that day when Jesus had that stone rolled away, and he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to get the picture now of this guy. Yeah. Jumping on up to the beginning of the cave. Let me do it for this side over here. Jumping on up. Getting up there. Lord, did you call? Did you call? You know, I've often been asked that question. Why did he have to give his name? Because let me tell you something. If Jesus had said, come forth, every grave in the world would open up then. Yeah, boy. And now I'm telling you, it's easy to believe that in the future, isn't it? What about right now? Can Jesus still do those miracles? Look at verse 38. Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. This is the third time that we had him groan once. We had him cry. Now he's groaning. Stone laid against him. Take away the stone. This is my favorite verse in the old King James, verse 39. Lord, by this time, now my new King James says there's a stench, but my old King James says, Lord, he stinketh. Don't you love that? Lord, he stinketh. He's been dead four days because the decaying process has started and all this fluids are now starting to come out. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 4. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you will see the glory of God? I understand how Jesus responds to her. You spoke to me in the past, Martha. You spoke to me about the future, but I'm talking to you about right now. Your brother isn't going to live 3,000 years from now. Your brother isn't going to live in your memory 300 years ago. Your brother's going to live right now because I live. He lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at verse 41. Then he took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. Jesus lifted up his eyes, and I love his prayer. This is one of the few times Jesus prayed openly with the crowd. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Said in Aramaic, not Arabic, but Aramaic. He would have said, Abba, I thank you that you heard me. Oh, the Rabbi. Father, Abba, please, Abba. You heard me. I know that you always hear me. The problem is, these people out here don't hear. That's been Jesus' problem since the day he started preaching. He said, He who has an ear, let him hear. He says it in the Revelation. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying to the churches. Somebody say amen. They're not listening. But Father, you're always listening to me. And I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. We're in verse 42. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Please understand in the Greek, this isn't past tense, that I am here right now. With you. And I want you to know something. Jesus is right here with you right now. He's sitting in those chairs right next to you. He is knocking on the door of your heart right now. He's saying, let me call Lazarus out. Let me tell that dead person inside of you to come on out. Look at what happens here. The Bible tells us in verse 44, and he who died came out bound hand and foot. Imagine that. He got up there. 
Could you imagine what the crowd did? Could you imagine what they did? I would love to have been in that crowd right now. I'd love to have been in that crowd. But look at what Jesus says to the crowd. He says, loose him, and verse 44, and let him go. That's our job, sir. The Holy Spirit's job right now is call Lazarus. And you might be a dead Lazarus, and you know if you are, if you are. You know, just like Lazarus knew, I promise you, he knew he was dead. Mary and Martha knew he was dead. Jesus knew he was dead. And you know that you're dead. Do you hear the voice of Jesus right now? Come forth. Church, we've got a command too. When they come forth, we're supposed to get up and cut those grave clothes off. Amen? What are those grave clothes? They represent the holding the dead things together. They represent what keeps us bound. They represent the bondage of alcoholism, the bondage of pornography, the bondage of drug abuse, the bondage of anger, or the inability to forgive. Somebody say amen here. It's time for the church to stand up and start cutting grave clothes off of people. We still got Christians who've been Christians for 30 years walking around in grave clothes still. It's time for the church to listen to the command of Jesus and loose them. It's time for us to do that. So then, what does that put us today? As we get ready for Thanksgiving, we talked about that dinner that started in John chapter 12. Much like an American Thanksgiving dinner. Much like that. And they gathered together. Can you imagine the table groaning with food? Can you imagine Mary and Martha so thankful for Lazarus at their table? Nothing else matters. They're like, the bill's here. We don't care. That is small potatoes now. We got Lazarus here with us. Don't you love Jesus? He has a way of breaking up funerals like nobody ever seen. Can you imagine? Imagine that. Can you imagine being the guy who put on that funeral and Mary and Martha said, We want our money back? Could you imagine that? You know, that ain't the first time he ever did that. He let a couple of other people back up alive, right? Could you imagine that? You know, those, those, the crowd that showed up from Jerusalem? Let me tell you who those were. Those were paid professional mourners, y'all, wailers. They're wailers. The, 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 the greatest way I can explain it to you is that they sound like a Scottish banshee. You know, right? They were all around the tomb making that horrible noise. And Jesus shows up and he's like, no wonder he groaned in the spirit. Amen. No wonder he wept, you know. No. He shows up and he's like, why hit everybody? Lazarus, come forth. And they're like, well, we're out of a job. We're not getting paid today. And off they go. So the past and the present and the future have all come together. Right there in a little town called Bethany. In a little place. A little house. And Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in there. Keep your fingers in John chapter 12, but look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Church, what are you thankful for this week? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that my children know Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that they've been saved and baptized. I'm thankful that my wife knows Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that Jesus is Lord in my house, and my house chooses serve the Lord. I'm thankful that He will never leave nor forsake His children. I'm thankful that His head of protection is still around us. I'm thankful that when death and tragedy does strike, I can send the letter to Jesus and say, He who now loves, and He knows exactly who I'm talking about. I'm thankful for that. He's that close, that personal with us all. 
He said, I don't know Jesus. He knows you. He knows you. And I've been praying for years. And I wrote Jesus a letter saying, He whom thou lovest, come to church this morning. Please send your spirit. Please knock on the door of their heart. Please call Lazarus forth from the grave. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. We look at the past and the present and the future coming together. Look this with me in verse 1. We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. You might be sitting there in that pew saying, well, one of these days, God, I'm going to put Jesus in my heart. Or perhaps uh, 13 years ago, I used to be a super-duper Christian. Now is the time for you to come to Jesus. Now is the time. Don't sit there and lie to yourself saying, I'll fix myself up to Jesus. You can't. You're walking like this. You can't get it right. You need Jesus. Now flip back with me to John chapter 12. We'll conclude this morning's sermon. We're going to look back in verse 9 through 11 here. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. That be Jesus. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Why? Why? Because they were questioning. What was it like, Lazarus? What did you see? What did you do? What did it feel like? Were you afraid? Were you scared? I imagine little boys talking to each other. Did it hurt? You know? Did you pass out first or did you just go to sleep? I can only imagine what Lazarus said. No, I wish I could give you a straight answer. I wish I could tell you. I know what Lazarus said. I don't. If I was Lazarus, this is what I would have said. I would have said one moment, I closed my eyes and I felt like everything felt like everything was falling apart and I could no longer help and no longer do it. I felt like I was walking around looking for some way to go and somewhere to be. And then, when I thought all was lost, then when I thought that there was no hope, I heard the sweetest sound in the world. I heard a voice that had to be from God Himself. I heard a bugle-like, a trumpet-like voice that called me back to life. I knew my body was beginning to heal. I knew that death no longer had its icy hand upon me. I knew that whatever was going to happen in this world no longer mattered. I knew that because He lives, I will live forever. Because He lives, the gates of hell can never, ever conquer His church. I learned this, that because He lives, I can face tomorrow. What are we thankful for, Robinson Avenue? Are you thankful for what Jesus has done in your life? Are you thankful for what He's going to do in your life? Are you thankful for what He's done in your children's life? Every time I look at my children, I am thankful that they have come to Jesus Christ. That means I get to see them again. Amen? They might not want to see me again, but I want to see them again. I am thankful my wife knows Jesus. I am thankful that when I close my eyes in death and I hear him say, Joshua, come forth, and I come out of that grave, y'all, 
I'm going to be looking in the face of He who loves me. I'm going to be looking into His eyes. I know Lazarus, as he came to that tomb, when he came to the edge of it, he didn't see a single other person there but Jesus. Amen. His eyes are right there on that which divorced him from. Right there. Focus. It was like a military command. Yes, sir. Yeah. I'm going to come up out of that grave, and when I get there, when I get there on those pearly gates, I'm going to see my wife. I'm going to see my children. I'm going to see my father again. I'm going to see my brothers again. I'm going to see my family made whole. But this time, with no more pain, no more suffering, amen. No more Daniel for boldness either. Somebody say amen. No. <laughs> I got a witness this morning, amen. No more of that. Arthritis is gone, y'all. It's going to be a brand new suit. I'm going to try it on. Made just for Joshua, amen. I'm going to put it on. And out of a sudden, out of a sudden, I'm going to realize what he did for me. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And you know what? I'll remind you of what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, now is the time. Today is the day. Perhaps you're in that queue and you've been putting it off. You've been saying, mm, I don't want to go. I'm afraid everybody will laugh at me. I'm going to put it no, 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 no. We're going to be like the crowd and Lazarus on. Come on. Now's the time. And today is the day. Perhaps you are a Christian and you've walked away. You've turned your back on He who called you from the grave. And you say, can He take me back? I want you to know that He is going to take you back. I want you to know that He will receive you back home. Would you be willing to repent this morning? Perhaps you're one of those that says, God, I need a place to worship. I need a family to fellowship with. I need somewhere to grow in grace and goodness of Jesus Christ. Robert Snyder is your place. Would you be willing to come this morning? We're going to have a word of prayer. If He's spoken to you this morning, would you be willing to come and put your heart up? Could you imagine what Thanksgiving will be like Thursday when you can say, I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's not about turkey anymore. It's about Jesus. We're going to have a word of prayer. And if He's spoken to you, would you be willing to come and do so? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would pick charge right now to stop. That if there be anybody that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, if anybody, Father, needs to get their heart right, their walk right, their relationship with you right, would you let now be that time? Lord, if there be any that need to become a part of Robert Snag New Baptist Church, would you let today be that day? We bless you and praise you even now in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Would you come as we sing? Jesus paid it all. Would you come? Come on. Now's the time. Today's the day. I hear. Savior say, Thy strength is even small. Thou the weakness watch and pray. Come on. Find in me thy all in all. Jesus paid it
time of worship here with us at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. Don't forget, tonight, worship, 6 o'clock. There'll be no Wednesday night Bible study. Stay home and make that uh, pecan pie and remember to eat a slice for me. Amen. All right. Don't forget to be thankful for what He has done for us and what He's doing for us and what He's going to do for us and what He's doing right now. Yes, don't ever forget that. With that being said, uh, OCC is still going to be on. What time do you give? One to three today, and then tomorrow's the final, right? Yes, ma'am. So that's the conclusion of OCC. Uh, also, please remember a special service coming up in December. December night, uh, it will be Christ in the Hanukkah. It will be a Wednesday night Bible study right here. Fellowship Hall, perhaps in the uh, Fellowship Hall, perhaps here in the sanctuary. We haven't set that uh, in, uh, in motion yet, but. Please pray about that, and please come be a part of that. Do we have any last-minute prayer requests, questions, or comments before we go? Thank you, Brother Robert. Power practice 4.30 today. And because you said that, would you close us in prayer today, sir? <laughs> go ahead, Brother.